Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. Sheltering in place, 
And welcoming you to this edition of the show. I'm Harry Shearer, uh, expostulating with Mock Joy over the fact that apparently oil and water, despite what we learned in high school, do mix. New study by researchers at Duke University and RTI International. Is that specific enough for you? This study finds that reusing oil field water that's been mixed with surface water to irrigate farms in California's Kern County does not pose major health risks, as some opponents of the practice have feared, according to fizz.org. We did not find any major water quality issues, nor metals and radioactivity accumulation in soil and crops that might cause health concerns, said Avner Vengosh, professor of water quality at Duke's Nicholas School of the Environment. That's the lab that led the new study. Facing with increasing droughts and water shortages, guess would be the result of droughts, some farmers in the Coito, sorry, the Coelho District in uh, Central California have used diluted oil field produced water, OPW, for irrigation for their fields. Under California Water Board policy, it's been permit- permitted for a quarter of a century. Mmm. While the oil field mixed water contains slightly elevated levels of salts and boron relative to the local groundwater, those levels are still below the standards set by the state for safe drinking water and irrigation in the district, according to Van Gosh. Boron, boron and salts from the OPW have, though, accumulated over time in the irrigated soil. You know, for a quarter of a century, the district's farmers will need to plant boron-tolerant crops. Have you tried my boron-tolerant lettuce? Mmm, it's boronically good. And keep mixing the waste water with fresh water. <laughs> well, that's always a good. Mix your waste water with fresh water, ladies and gentlemen. That's a household tip from the show people. Uh, to avoid boron toxicity and salinity buildup in their fields. Sir, I'm, I'm afraid I need to inform you you've had salinity buildup in your field. And also to remain within state guidelines. But all things considered, Van Gosh says, this is good news. That it really is considering all things, like the end of the world. The researchers published their peer-reviewed findings in the journal Science of the Total Environment. Again, thinking a little big. The new study should help LA fears. Oh, did that right away. That contaminants in the OPW, which is produced as a byproduct of oil and gas extraction at sites adjacent to many farm fields in the district... Of course you're going to put your oil fields and your farm fields nearby each other. Because oil's got to eat. It could impact, fears that it could impact water and soil quality, harm crop health, or pose risks to human health. Those concerns assume that the OPW, which generated by oil and gas wells, contains similar mixtures of salts, metals, and naturally occurring radioactivity as OPW generated in oil fields in other regions. Yeah, why would we assume that? But our study shows that's not the case. This is Andrew Kondash, who also led this study. The OPW produced in Kern County is much more diluted and low saline than common OPW from other parts of the country. So it can be used for irrigation if it is mixed with surface water. What about the recipe for the the dilution level of it? Determining whether it is safe to use OPW for irrigation in other locations would require a similar sweet of water and soil testing, 
said the researcher. You can't assume that the results in this study in this study could be applied to OPW from other oil fields, where the salinity is typically much higher. Who knew? Kern County oil fields lower in salinity for your eating pleasure. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm, won't you? Oh, every quaver hits my heart like a bullet. The capture and storage of carbon dioxide underground is one of the key components of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's reports on how to keep global warming under 2 degrees centigrade. Sorry, Celsius, above pre-industrial levels by 2100, according to fizz.org. Carbon capture and storage, CCS, not Creedence Clearwater Storage, would be used alongside other interventions such as renewable energy, energy efficiency, and electrification of the transportation sector. Oh, Mr. Musk can't come to the phone right now. He's dealing with Mars. The IPCC used models to create around 1,200 technology scenarios whereby climate change targets are met using a mix of these interventions. Most of them require the use of carbon capture and storage. Man, just started thinking, I've I wish I could use model. No, sorry. A new analysis from Imperial College London published in Environmentally, uh, Energy and Environmental Science suggests that no more than 2,700 gigatons of carbon dioxide would be sufficient to meet the IPCC's targets. This is far less than leading estimates by academic and industry groups of what is available, which suggests there's more than 10,000 gigatons of carbon dioxide storage space globally. Tom? Wow, you can actually gargle while saying that. It also found that the current rate of growth in the installed capacity of carbon capture and storage is on track to meet some of the targets identified in the IPCC reports, but the research and commercial efforts should focus on maintaining this growth while identifying enough underground space to store this much CO2. Do you have a basement? Would you like to store some carbon dioxide? Yeah, it's quiet. CCS involves trapping CO2 at its emission source, such as fossil fuel power stations, and storing it underground to keep it from entering the atmosphere. Together with other climate change mitigation strategies, CCS could help the world reach the climate change goals set out by the IPCC, but until now the amount of storage needed has not been specifically quantified. Right right next to the wine cellar, you've got plenty of room there. Tropical forests do face an uncertain future under climate change, but new research published in Science, the magazine, not the science, suggests they can continue to store large amounts of carbon, these tropical forests can, in a warmer world if countries don't warm it up too much. The world's tropical forests store a quarter century's worth of fossil fuel emissions in their trees alone. What, what else would they store it in? The barites? There are fears that global Heating can reduce this store if tree growth reduces or tree death increases, which would accelerate climate change. This is from Eureka Alert. An international research team measured over half a million trees in 813 forests across the tropics to assess how much carbon is stored by forests growing under different climate conditions. The team revealed tropical forests continue to store high levels of carbon, carbon under high temperatures, showing that in the long run these forests can handle heat up to an estimated threshold of 32 degrees Celsius in the daytime. 
This positive finding is only possible if forests have time to adapt, they remain intact, and if global warming is strictly limited to avoid pushing temperatures into conditions beyond the critical threshold. That would be 32 degrees Celsius. If we limit global average temperatures to 2 degrees increase above pre-industrial levels, this pushes nearly three-quarters of tropical forests above that threshold. Any further increases in temperature will lead to rapid losses of forest carbon. Wasn't he the star of a TV western way back? Forest Carbon and his Remington. A man. A rifle. And his shaver. Green snow created by... I said green snow. Created by blooming algae in the Antarctic Peninsula is likely to spread. Watch out for the green snow as temperatures increase as a result of climate change. According to researchers, quoted by CNN, they've created the first large-scale map of the algae and their movements. Yes, algae can move. Not really dancing, but satellite data gathered between 2017 and 2019, combined with on-the-ground measurements over two summers in Antarctica, allowed scientists to map the microscopic algae as they bloomed across the snow of the Antarctic Peninsula. Warming temperatures could create more habitable environments for the algae, which need wet snow to grow in. No, 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 don't you dare. Green snow algae is microscopic when measured individually, but when the organisms grow simultaneously, they turn the snow bright green, you know, like the the Pacific did uh, a couple weeks ago off San Diego. Same kind of idea, except this is in snow, and it's cold. They turn the snow bright green and can even be spotted from space. Researchers from the University of Cambridge and the British Antarctic Survey use satellite data Patches of green snow algae can be found along the Antarctic coastline, usually in warmer areas. The peninsula is part of the region that has experienced the most rapid warming in the latter part of the last century. Scientists identified 1,679 separate blooms of green on the snow surface, covering an area of one point... I'm not even going to do the metric stuff here, which equates to a carbon sink of around 479 tons a year. That's a carbon storage place, much like your basement. Researchers believe the organisms will expand as global temperature increases. And why wouldn't they? News of the Warm, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast, which leads inexorably to... News of the Godly. We uh, hip-hop across the world in this edition from Washington... To Warsaw, to New Orleans. First, to Warsaw, of course. Dateline Warsaw, Poland, the cemetery, sorry, the centenary of the birth of St. John Paul II. Saint! Coincided with the new film, Hide and Seek, screened on uh, YouTube earlier this month. Uh, The film accused the Polish church of continuing to cover up sexual abuse by Catholic clergy. Imagine that. The same day Archbishop Wojciech Polak, he's the primate of Poland and the bishop's delegate for child protection, said he would ask the Vatican to initiate proceedings against Bishop Edward Janiak of Kolisz for failing to discipline a priest incriminated by the film. I guess he's watching YouTube. Archbishop Polak said the film showed required child protection standards were still not being observed in the Polish Church. An earlier film by the same filmmaker, 
filmmakers made similar allegations in May 2019, attracted 23 million YouTube viewers. See, they don't all have to be happy. Shortly after its release, the Polish Bishops Administrative Council met an emergency session and later admitted the church failed to act against clerical sexual abuse. You need to meet to decide that. The quote, there are no words to express our shame at the sexual scandals clergy have participated in. They're a source of great evil and demand total condemnation as well as severe consequences for the criminals and for those who concealed such acts, the bishops said. If asked asked to resign, well, that would be severe consequence. Sir, would you resign, please? Bishop uh, Janiak would be the first Polish prelate to lose his post over sexual abuse. What's the difference between a prelate and a primate? Dateline Washington, the Society of St. Pius X, is under investigation in Kansas amid allegations that members of the group perpetrated or covered up clerical sexual abuse in the state. The Kansas Bureau of Investigation confirmed to the Catholic News Agency this week it is examining clergy abuse allegations made against the group as part just a part of its investigation into the four Kansas City dioceses. The SSPX, Society of St. Pius X, is not overseen by any diocese in Kansas or elsewhere because of its irregular status in the church. It's a breakaway traditionalist group founded by uh, an archbishop, namely Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, in 1970, when he and... Uh, the bishop at the time consecrated four bishops without the permission permission of St. John Paul II in 1988. The bishops involved were excommunicated. Now that's serious consequences. In 2009, Pope Benedict XVI lifted the excommunications. That's not such severe circumstances and consequences. While noting that doctrinal questions remain, obviously, until they are clarified, the society has no canonical status in the church, and its ministers cannot legitimately exercise any ministry, unquote. The group has been in intermittent talks with the Vatican about returning to full communion with the Church. In the group's U.S. district, however, a number of abuse allegations have surfaced in relation to the large community of the group at St. Mary's, Kansas, which includes the Society's K-12 through school. In its ongoing investigation of Catholic clergy abuse in Kansas, a KBI spokeswoman said the Bureau has received 186 reports of abuse, and they opened 112 investigations. Didn't say how many relate directly to the Society of St. Pius X, however. And Deadline New Orleans, a federal bankruptcy, bankruptcy judge is weighing whether to reverse her order halting payments from the Archdiocese of New Orleans to suspected child molesters. Now a second priest facing abuse accusations, has come forward to ask the judge not to halt the payments from the archdiocese to the suspected abusers. A filing asking for the reinstatement of payments came from retired clergyman Paul Calamari, mm, who was named by Archbishop Gregory Amond on his list of credibly accused priests. In the filing, Calamari concedes that in 1973 he had a failing and a sin involving a 17-year-old high school boy whom Calamari mistakenly believed was 18. An abuse claim stemming from that encounter landed Calamari on the list. The uh, bankruptcy judge tentatively set a hearing on the matter, also received a signed declaration from a woman who said a priest molested her in 1968 when she wasn't even five. 
The petition from Linda Lee Stonebreaker, whose dad played for the Saints, requested that the judge stick with her decision on halting payments. Way back on May 4, three days after the Archdiocese filed for Chapter 11, along with uh, so many companies, ordered uh, the ruling ordered the immediate halt to any payments for priests who had been credibly accused of child abuse. The Archdiocese has long provided a monthly pension, along with rent assistance, medical co-payments, and health, as well as auto insurance to retired priests, even ones whose retirement was forced by credible allegations of misconduct. So if you're unemployed right now and wondering where you're going to get your insurance or your car payments or your medical, become a priest and abuse some kids. The practice of making those payments, which can be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, mirror the mirrors the practice of other dioceses. The Archdiocese for years said it had legal and moral obligations to fulfill those payments. Court records, though, show the Archdiocese implemented the judge's mandate quickly. It hasn't said how many priests the ruling affected. Calamari and retired priest Gerard or Gerard Howell, who was suspected of molesting children growing up in the state's deaf community during the 1960s and 70s, are two who have argued in filings that the judge's ruling had a devastating financial impact on them, almost as if there were severe consequences for their actions. Just to make sure you you got it, retired priest Gerard Howell was suspected of molesting children growing up in the state's deaf community during the 60s and 70s. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what's next. Boom, boom. Wanna do death boys boom, boom. in the next room boom, boom. Now they're in the closet boom, boom. Between me and the broom boom, boom. Half a dozen deaf boys boom, boom. Mm, nice little crowd boom, boom. They can be quiet boom, boom. And I can be loud boom, boom. Four and twenty deaf boys boom, Take me all day, boom, boom. Barely got the time to boom, boom. eat and to pray. Boom, boom. Deaf boys can't hear me coming. Deaf boys, don't you dare call it slumming. Might be a chink in my priestly paws, but how can I resist? How can deaf I resist? Boys? Half a hundred deaf boys Who got a head steam I could be the coach They could be the team Eighty-eight deaf boys One for each key On the piano of my longing They play a hushed melody Hundred fifty deaf boys this could get tight A few dozen in the morning And all the rest at night Deaf boys can't hear me coming Deaf boys got my heartstrings strings strumming Make me make such a joyful noise Just can't get enough Just can't get enough boys. 
if I had a deaf boy for each day of the year, 365. Oh, that would be dear. How many deaf boys have there actually been? Why not ask how many? Dance on the head of a pin. The world is full of deaf boys, and I'm only one man. All that God expects is do all that you can. Deaf boys can't hear me coming. Deaf boys got me hymning and humming. A shepherd with a closet full of toys. Let's hear it for those deaf boys. From the home of the homeless, this is Le Show. I have recently declared myself a non-essential worker, so I'll see you later. No, we were just 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 fooling around like Joe Biden on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I uh, have not yet reached the point in my career where I'm uh, conducting cruises to hang with my fans, but Garrison Keillor is has reached that point. Uh, he conducted several. Prairie Home Companion Cruises. Uh, this is the first. This year was to be the first one that uh, his own company ran after he parted company with uh, American Public Media, which used to syndicate his radio show. Up until a thing happened, the uh, cruise was supposed to take place. Well, it was going to set sail March eighteenth, and of course, it was canceled because of the pandemic. It was um, his company, made it, Prairie Home Cruises, LLC, made a deal with Holland America Line. The latter agreed in early April to write a refund check guaranteeing each would-be cruiser gets at least uh, $1,200 back by mid-June, but uh, that wasn't by any means a total refund. The uh, tickets ranged from 2200 to 5000 per person, depending on the size of the cabin. Keeler's own company, this is according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, by the way, has only a staff of three people. They'd already paid seven to eight hundred thousand dollars for a variety of expenses, like your insurance, your management services, what, and deposits on equipment rental. Those costs are non-refundable. The managing director of Prairie Home Cruises says the company is looking at other ways to get additional money to the roughly twelve hundred passengers, but everyone will take a hit, she says, including. Her company. It's taken us a while, says the managing director, to untangle what's refundable and what isn't. Some of the uh, would-be cruisers are okay with this. Others are a little bit upset. Sounds like a good long story. Well, sure, it's been a quiet week in Lake Reverie, Minnesota. My hometown. Of course, they've all been quiet weeks, last couple months or so. Ever since, as uh, Peg Lundgren down at the Catbox Cafe put it, town curled up and hibernated. All except for Father Sarnquist down at the uh, Seven Norwegian Barbers Memorial Lutheran Church. 
In his spare time, Father Sundquist is uh, something of a history buff. He was a fellow discovered a couple of years ago while he was researching the microfiche files of the Lake Reverie Advertiser, the Town Weekly, that the community's name was a corruption of the original Chippewa name of the lake, Reverie-la, which apparently meant in the Chippewa language, lake where white people eat processed meat at picnics. Then earlier this year, the place was rocked by Father Sarnquist's revelation, his word for it, in a Sunday morning service, that the traditional origin story of his church's name turned out to be a historical error. Seems he'd discovered in a batch of letters that the terrible boating accident that was memorialized in the name of his House of Worship had only killed six barbers, and only five of them were Norwegian. Now he was busier than in 2007, back when he'd had to redo a bunch of baptisms after they discovered the plumbing problem. He was preparing, with the aid of the church's organist Marjorie Sorgard, to march on the state capitol get the church reopened after what he called the crony virus thing. He'd done a month full of sermons on this theory, which if you haven't already heard about it, says the virus was created by Chinese people in the Department of Health and Human Services in order to sell more Chinese masks and gloves. Some weeks, People in the theory worked at the CDC, or FEMA, instead. But the gist of the story remained rock solid. Marjorie Sorgard played a particularly fervent version of Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence after his final sermon in the Crony Virus series, which you could only see if you had church book live. And after they switched off the camera, she said to Father Sonquist, in a voice that echoed throughout the empty sanctuary, Father, I just got a vision of us at the state capitol getting this church back open. I'll make up some placards and do my social media thing because this house can no longer be empty of souls besides ours and the boy from Honduras. So they've been, as he says, powerful busy this week, trying with some of the members of the Sodality to get to the capital before the Catholic delegation from the Twin Cities arrives. Only other person in town who's been really busy during the lockdown, the most famous citizen of Lake Reverie, the guy's been talking about the town on the radio since just after there was radio. Of course, he'd pulled up stakes, left town years before, but he'd come back every once in a while, spend a night or two at the Stay A While Motel just to, as he used to explain it to the Gustafson kid who worked the front desk, catch up on usable details. 
But since his radio show went away after that little thing with the woman and her back and his hand and such, he didn't seem to need those details so much. But now he was back on a completely different mission. As he explained it to the Gustafson kid, he was now doing cruises. You mean like the old rock bands? The kid asked. The kid, by now, was in his early forties, but everybody still called him the Gustafson kid. Basically, since old man Gustafson had given him the unfortunate first name of Salt Struman, the kid's father, himself named Thor, kept explaining to the boy that he'd been given a gift of great strength, the name of the world's most powerful maelstrom. It should be nothing but a source of pride for a strapping kid like him. But in fact, the kid had never outgrown his baby skinniness, and he'd spent the first eight grades in school trying, without success, to figure out just how you make a nickname out of Salzschulman. So over his after-dinner Ovaltine, the radio fellow explained to the kid that this year's cruise had to be canceled because of the virus thing. The kid nodded soberly. The kind of look you get when Dr. Einstein has just admitted that he doesn't understand quantum physics either. The kid knew all about the virus thing from Father Sonquist's church book live sermons, don't you know? Now, as the radio fellow told it, some would-be cruisers were cruising for a refund. Took the kid a moment to take apart the wordplay. So the radio guy continued, I'm in town for a couple of days looking for witnesses. Even the Gustafson kid knew all four of the Jehovah's Witnesses who used to live in Lake Reverie had left town after the fire at the Watchtower Warehouse. So he just pointed out that there was now a deposit policy on the bed pillows. The radio guy said the word lawsuits stretching from here to the county line, and he needed some character witnesses from the town he had made so famous for all these years. Famous enough that he could be doing cruises now. Well, the Gustafson kid got all serious-looking again. The I'm-trying-to-help-Niels-Bohr-solve-this-stubborn-equation look. He took a diet Dr. Pepper out of the, one of the wet bars they were removing from the rooms, cracked it open, took a good, healthy slug. Then he opened up. Look, mister, Peg Lundgren down at the Catbox Cafe said last month she'd get out the shotgun if she ever saw you again, after the way you made her look like a provincial yahoo all these years. Those were her words. I don't know how you made her resemble a website, but that's what she said. Mr. Malmstrom at the Pick and Grin Hardware said the radio guy came in one day, picked up and examined a really nice set of screwdrivers. Then he up and put them down and walked out. He said that screwdriver set sure would have paid for a new rain gutter. 
I myself heard Father Sarnquist call you a libertine in the middle of one of his coronavirus sermons. The kid sighed heavily as if he'd just finished reciting some hip-hop lyrics from memory. Well, the radio guy just sat there, listening to the arrhythmic ticking of the Fred Flintstone clock on the wall of the hotel's combination office and breakfast room. Then he sighed, and he said to the Gustafson kid, I guess this won't be as easy as I expected. I guess I'll pay for four nights' deposit on the pillows. That's the news from Lake Reverie, Minnesota, where time stands still, and so does everybody else. While making Indian cornbread, the eagle flies taking his advice. You know, keep moving, and said back in Big Bob was on a heavy job. He heard a noise, said, "Come on, boys, let's go." Horse was in a race, he could win, show our place. He came first from out of thirty. Like you've seen a cop And you don't, don't, don't exactly want to stop It's a motion, lotion that makes you want to go Keep moving, keep moving with the motion That'll make you want to go Keep moving with the motion That'll make you want to get in your rope and roll A truck driver once said I've got a sleepy head He took a pill and had I don't think he's really going to think about it. 
That's just a, a personal feeling. Dateline Durham, North Carolina. Chronic exposure to microplastic fibers causes aneurysms, erosion of surface layers, and other serious damage to fish gills, and increases egg production in female fish. A sign that the chemicals in the fibers may be acting as endocrine disruptors. This is from a study by U.S. and Chinese scientists. What the hell is going on here? What the... All right, we'll, we'll let them do that bit together. The abundance of microplastic and pollution in the oceans is likely to have been vastly underestimated, according to research that suggests there are at least double the number of particles as previously thought. Scientists trawled the waters off the coasts of the U.K. and the U.S. and found many more particles using nets with a fine mesh size than when using coarser ones, usually used to filter mi- mi- microplastics. This again. The addition of these smaller particles to global estimates of surface microplastics increases the range from between 5 trillion and 50 trillion particles to between 12 trillion and 125 trillion particles. That's a lot of particles. Really. Plastic pollution is known to harm the fertility, growth, and survival of marine life. The smaller ones are the same size as the food eaten by zooplankton, which uh, underpin the marine food chain. I don't know about the uh, Navy food chain. That's another thing. Another new study shows how microplastics have entered the food chain in rivers. Birds found to be consuming hundreds of particles a day with the via the aquatic insects on which they feed. Those dumb insects. Microplastic pollution has uh, been the subject of research published in the last month. Microplastics found in greater than ever quantities before on the seabeds. Hundreds of thousands of tons of microplastics blowing ashore on the ocean breeze every year. The study, which conducted research off the coasts of the UK and the US, found particles dominated by fibers from textiles such as ropes, again, nets, and clothing. Those leisure suits. I knew, I told you that... Scientists at Cardiff University, that being Wales, have found that one species of river bird is swallowing hundreds of microplastics every day, again through their insect prey. We've got to get smarter insects, ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to... The, the dipper birds inadvertently pass on those plastic fibers to their chicks when feeding them. Like mother, like bird. The research is the first to find evidence that microplastics can pass from insects to predators in rivers. It, uh, research was carried out by Cardiff University, University of Exeter and Greenpeace. It was published in Global Change Biology. Dippers prey on river insects, often by standing partly submerged in the water, ugh, and putting their beaks under the surface to catch them. The study found if an insect is contaminated by plastic, the birds ingest the plastic along with the bug. The, the scientists found the transfer of so many plastic fragments to the birds and their chicks, quote, startling says one of the researchers, the same features that make dippers so wonderfully adapted as the world's only songbirds able to dive and feed on river insects also mean that they can have no escape from this enormous source of pollution for decades to come. Commercially important seafood species are at greater risk of microplastic contamination depending on how they clump together in the marine environment, according to new research from the University of Plymouth. I prefer, I have more faith in the University of Dodge or the University of Chrysler, but what are you going to do? In the first study of its kind, scientists from the University of Plymouth used a series of experiments to assess, assess whether the reefs formed by blue mussel 
affected their exposure and consumption of microplastic particles. When mussels were clumped together, forming reefs, as they do in nature, as opposed to in what? The reef structure slowed the seawater flowing over them, increased turbulence, and resulted in three-fold rise in the amount of ingested plastic. So let's get the mussels out of nature. Ospreys are among the types of birds of prey in Florida that have been found to be accumulating microplastics in their stomachs, according to a new study from the University of Florida. Terrestrial and aquatic birds of prey in Florida have this stuff in their tums, including howls and owls, hawks and owls, as well as ospreys. The research published online in the journal Environmental Pollution is important because birds of prey are critical to a functioning ecosystem, much like show business. The accumulation of microplastics in their digestive systems could lead to poisoning, starvation, and death. Changing the population or health status of the top predator completely alters alters all of the animals, organisms, and habitats below them on the food web, says the study's author. I have a uh, podcast. It's going to be broadcast on the food web. Uh, That, ladies and gentlemen, is the one word I have to say to you. Think about it. Microplastics. And now, hurtling at us at the speed of radio, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Dateline West Boylston, Massachusetts. A local police chief is apologizing for a letter he wrote targeting the state's coronavirus restrictions. Police chief Dennis Minnick is now apologizing for an email he sent on May 17th to the director of public health for the city of Worcester, which runs a public health alliance that West Boylston is part of. I'm alerting all of our businesses today that this, quote, shutdown is unconstitutional and illegal, and the police department will not enforce any actions by the Board of Health, said Minnick, Chief Minnick, and furthermore, that they should advise the, quote, agents, unquote, of the Board of Health to leave the premises immediately. The police department will most certainly follow trespassing policies, which are to arrest trespasses after notice. Please advise your personnel so as to avoid any issues. These so-called, quote, orders by the governor are not valid nor constitutional and will not be enforced, unquote. The town administrator issued a statement reading, quote, the chief never meant for his words to be construed as a threat. He apologized and he intends to support the board of health should they have a need for assistance with any safety concerns. I consider the matter closed and have deemed it to be resolved, unquote. Police chief hasn't yet removed the tape from his mouth. The Atlantic will eliminate 68 positions, about 17% of its workforce, according to a memo sent to staffers by the owner, David Bradley. Now, some people were taking this as a another nail in the coffin of the sad state of American journalism these days. Bradley says... Um, due to the pandemic. The company plans to shut its video department. Now, when a magazine decides to shut its video department, I personally don't take that as bad news for journalism. But this, uh, Bradley did apologize. Executives at the company will take pay cuts. A pay freeze will apply to all who stay. Bradley apologized to those who will leave in a memo and to those who will stay without pay increases. Quote, we held on a long time to the thought that the Atlantic could budget modest increases. I apologize. That's not working out. Unquote. To put it mildly, the Leechburg, Pennsylvania area school board ended its Wednesday meeting early after someone attending online aired a pornographic image. The school board was winding down its session 
When the pornographic image first appeared, oh dear, we just got Zoom-bombed. I apologize, Board Secretary Patricia Tarr says. I don't know if anyone else saw that. I did, School Director Karen Felino said. That's not right. School Board has been holding meetings via Zoom because of the thing. It was business as usual until the Zoom-bomber appeared. I dearly apologize, said Tarr. There is no way to stop this. Well, yeah, there is. The school board president, who also apologized to the people in attendance, suggested having future participants register by providing their full name, address, and phone number. You feel bad when people come to a public meeting and that happens, he said. He wants to uh, look, does uh, school board president, into whether the school board or district can limit the, the ability for participants to share screens. It's just a shame, Brady said. Public meetings are open to anybody, and that creates security problems, unquote. Yeah, especially when they show up in person. No, what creates security problems is insecure platforms like Zoom. There's a Zoom bomb. For now, I think we need to bring back our uh, fake baseball crowd from fake Fox Sports baseball crowd from last week for this next item. Wow. Great day at the ballpark. Nobody's here. All right, so here's the story. There's a, a very successful football club in uh, Seoul, South Korea, called Football Club Seoul. Yeah, I know, a lot of imagination. Anyway, it's provided a cautionary tale for sports organizations around the globe, slowly returning to action. The lesson being that filling the stands for an event during the pandemic isn't as simple as propping up a few mannequins or cardboard cutouts. This is from the San Jose Mercury News. The team in South Korea's K Soccer League was fined $81,000 for using life-size sex dolls to help fill some of the empty seats at Seoul World Cup Stadium over the weekend. Well, there's a strike. Football club Seoul officials have apologized profusely since Inflategate began to blow up last week. It's sparking the first First sports scandal of the pandemic era was all a terrible misunderstanding. Club officials said they failed to check the shipping order sent by the supplier, completely unaware they were that the 25 dolls were, quote, adult products, according to Reuters. There clearly was a breach in social distancing protocol to get FC Seoul's air-filled fan substitutes ready for their big debut with the league champions. Team employees dressed some of the dolls in FC Seoul gear. Other dolls had banners placed in their inflatable arms. All the dolls had masks. Somebody had to get together to do all that. The controversy is an embarrassing PR blow to the league, which is the first major soccer league in the world to resume playing. The game was televised, and it turns out some sharp-eyed fans sparked something of a social media frenzy after notice that something seemed amiss with the crowd. Clues weren't terribly difficult to follow. The Yonhap news agency responded that one banner showed the names of an adult toy manufacturer and of models who had inspired those dolls. In handing down the punishment for the club, the league admonished the club for not being able to tell the sex dolls apart from ordinary mannequins. Well, it's a strike. The league also suggested the club knew about the issue before the match and had plenty of time to deflate the problem before it even started. The disciplinary committee decided to take heavy disciplinary action considering the graveness of the incident caused by the real doll that has greatly insulted and hurt female and family fans. We apologize deeply, says the league, to all those concerned about the unfortunate situation that occurred. 
Well, that was right down the plate. We will review our internal procedures to ensure this does not happen again. Thanks to the crowd, you guys can stop existing. This, from the editors of something I didn't even know existed. You learned something doing this show. Geek Dad. We know many people have been upset by an article that was published on Geek Dad several months ago regarding the DreamWorks show She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Now I know why I'd never heard of Geek Dad before. The article was published in good faith based on sources that the author believed were trustworthy. However, much of the information presented in it has since turned out not to be true. We sincerely author, uh, apologize for any pain or anxiety the article has caused anyone. The author of the article is no longer writing for Geek Dad, and as all of our writers maintain their own copyrights at his request, we will not republish it. We did not wish to leave the link to the article going nowhere. We felt an explanation and an apology was called for. The editor and publisher of Geek Dad. Somebody I have heard of, even met, novelist Neil Gaiman. He's issued an apology for breaking lockdown rules by traveling from New Zealand to his home in the island of Skye, Scotland, amidst the pandemic and the lockdown. Tom? The lockdown. The apology came a week after he was criticized by the press and politicians for making the 11,000-mile trip. In an earlier post on his official blog, Gaiman said his relationship with his partner Amanda Palmer had hit a rough patch, and they mutually decided that they needed some space. After that, he flew, masked and gloved, to London before driving to the Scottish island. His post created headline news in the UK. This week, he wrote a new post where he revealed he had been visited by police to discuss his movements. Mostly, they wanted to be sure I was all right and been isolating. I would keep isolating here until the lockdown ends and to make sure I knew the rules. Like all the locals who have reached out to me, they've been astonishingly kind, he said. The author said he made a mistake by traveling from New Zealand and apologized directly to the people of the Scottish island. I'm sure I've done sillier things in my life, but this is the most foolish thing I've done in a while, Gaiman said. Of course, Joe Biden apologized this week for saying, you ain't black if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump. He was joking. Like Trump sarcasm, almost. A rap song got Hannah Brown in hot water. The season 15 star of The Bachelorette apologized for using the N-word while attempting to rap the lyrics of Da Baby's rock star on her Instagram page. She apologized on her Instagram stories. I owe you all a major apology. I is, there is no excuse. I will not justify what I said. I've seen the hurt I've created. I own it all. I promise to do better. The apologies of the week. You can't get more copyrighted as a feature. Now... Finally, news of our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia, the land of 15,000 princes. The son of slain Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi has forgiven the um, whoever did it, whoever that was. Salah Khashoggi who lives in the Saudi city of Jeddah. In this blessed night of the blessed month of Ramadan, we remember God saying, if a person forgives and makes reconciliation, his reward is due from Allah. Therefore, we, the sons of the martyr Jamal Khashoggi, announce pardoning those who killed our father, seeking reward God Almighty. Unquote. Death sentences can be commuted in the light of a pardon by the victim's family under Islamic law. It's not clear whether that will apply in this case. What is clear is that his widow rejects all that, 
She tweeted that heinous murder does not have a statute of limitations and no one has the right to pardon his killers. A special UN rapporteur labeled the Saudi trial of the people the regime fingered as those responsible in the antithesis of justice. While shocking, the announcement of the pardon was anticipated, said the special rapporteur, described the move as the final act in Saudi Arabia's well-rehearsed parody of justice in front of an international community far too ready to be deceived. Well, they are the land of 15,000 princes, after all. They can't all be killers. feeling more non-essential than ever right now. So, probably time to end this whole thing for this week. The show returns next week at the same time on these radio stations, whenever you want it on your audio device of choice. And it would be just like everything going away, just like a miracle, if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk, and to... Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this program, your chance to get tar- Cars I Talk t-shirts, and the playlist of the music heard here on, all available at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. You know what? I'm feeling so strongly about freedom right now, I'm going to go out and violate some traffic laws. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the home of the homeless.